Welcome to the Jankiest Podcast featuring two of the jankiest people in the Magic the Gathering community, King of Jank and Undying MTG. This is Hour of Jankest Station. Revenge is a meal best served cold. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Hour of Jankus Station. And, of course, I have my brother, Mr. Josh, a.k.a. King of Jank. And why wouldn't I? Because if I didn't, this podcast would just be a huge dumpster fire. Oh, you beat up yourself too I, much. I, you know, I just give credit where credit's due. Oh, well. So I accept. Yes. <laughs> you are the king of jank, after all, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I I am the poor man's king of jank. That's all. No. I'll, I'll call myself the pauper of jank. How's the that? Pauper. <laughs> rename your rename your uh, your channel again. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I could do that. Very. I could definitely do that. So here we are, another day, and today we are going to be talking about the Theros Beyond Death spoilers. And today we're just going to be doing six cards that are of note to us and going over what our thoughts are on these cards that we're choosing and trying to figure out what we can do with these, rather it be in standard, pioneer, commander, whatever. Yeah. But certain ideas that we could have with these cards. So I will just jump right in and just uh, go here that we have... Uh, the Pyrus Wayfair. I actually, I did see this card. It's a common card, but I was actually intrigued by it because it's a one drop with the constellation of whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, target creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. I know it's not really like crazy, but when I was scrolling through and looking at stuff, I was like, man, for that being just a common, I thought it really isn't that bad. Yes, you're going to end up putting it into an enchantment-style build, but I don't know. I guess I just looked at it for the CMC, and it's a 1-2, so you could use it as a blocker, essentially, if you're going up against a weenie deck. Mm-hmm. And then every time you're playing enchantments, and especially as we, we know with the Theros set, there's going to be enchantment creatures and all that stuff, so you're going to get all kinds of ways to have enchantment spells being thrown around, rather be creatures or just traditional enchantment spells. I felt this was just a nice way to beef up some creatures temporarily until end of turn. That that's your that's your first one. Yeah, just a some, common, just a white common, just just something something cheap to just get the ball rolling. Well, yeah, I mean it's a. Uh, I think it will be a good limited card. Um, I, I also I just wanted to bring it up because I know there's some people that, again, budget-friendly card. I don't, I don't want to you know, make people think that I, I just want to push cards that might be fringe competitive or something like that, but just some you know, some cards that people might overlook. That's or, true, that's true, yeah. A little white weenie deck yeah. could be good. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, oh, is it, uh, is it my turn to pick a card? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. It, we'll go back and okay. forth, yes. Well, I I uh, feel bad because you picked a common, and all my 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 three picks are rares. No, oh, well that's perfectly fine. Okay, so I'm gonna go with my uh, my first one, pretty pretty basic, but you know, it's um, 
Sorry. It is Nylea's Intervention. Two green and X sorcery. And you choose one. You either search your library for up to X land cards. Not basics, just land cards. You reveal them and put them into your hand and then shuffle your library. Or Nylea's or Nylea's intervention deals twice X damage to each creature with flying. So that's the one good thing about green is green knows that it usually doesn't have too many flying options. So it, if we're going against flyers, you can either smack those things out of the sky with that X ability or you're going to be getting a boatload of land ramp. Yep. So, but, but this is where, this is where it becomes interesting because I wasn't thinking much of it. The, the damage to flying, whatever. But you can search for up to X land cards, right. which means an EDH, when you only have one of each card, you could search up all three of your Tron lands if you have them. Oh, yeah. Yes, you can. That's a very good point to have here. Or you could search up, um, if you're running black, you could search up uh, Urborg. Tuma Yogmoth that turns all other lands into swamps and Cabal Coffers that taps for black mana equal to number of swamps you control. Like there's tons of uh, tons of lands that you or sorry. Tons of different land combinations that you can grab that can just propel you to victory or propel you to a shit ton of mana. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean I overlook this card, but then when I started looking at more and more, it's like grabbing any land is good. Oh, yeah, for sure. You could grab um, Thespian Stage and uh, Dark Depths to get a turn to get your 2020. You play Dark Depths, it has the counters on it. Then you play Thespian Stage, copy of Dark Depths, doesn't have counters on it, so you sack it, get your Merit Lodge. So, yeah, there's just. This can be quite gross. I think that would definitely be one to uh, definitely keep an eye on the price once the set gets released and try to get it when it's at its lowest point because I definitely could see that being something to be used in Commander at the very least. Yeah. Because of that very reason, like I said, land. Not basic, but land. <laughs> you get whatever yep. the heck you want. That's just fantastic. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's more, but those are just those are just three I thought of. Your Tron lands, your Cabal Coffer combo, and your Merit Lodge. 2020 Flying Indestructible, you know the deal. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I guess we didn't say what date it is. Today is January 5th, so these are the spoilers we have as yes. of January 5th. So if somewhere down the road you listen to this and you're like, well, why didn't they talk about fucking Heliod's dildo? <laughs> um, it's because Heliod's dildo wasn't released yet. Yeah, okay? Well, it better not be released because uh, if it does get released, literally someone's getting fucked really bad. <laughs> I feel like it's uh, Heliod think... since it's his dildo and uh, Elspeth <laughs> is going to kick the shit out of him in this set. Yeah. Anyways, so what, what's your, your well, card? Well, speaking of... Heliod, Heliod, Heliod. I don't know. I've heard it been pronounced like 500 different ways. I, I always think, thought it was Heliod. I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I think I say it wrong. I've, I, I'm the only one that pronounces it Heliod that I've heard. Do, I, I've no, heard a lot I, of Heliod. I've heard Heliod, Heliod, 
Heliod, Heliod. So it's like, I've heard it. So it's like the, it's just like the Garrick Garuk thing. I, I don't yeah. know. I have no idea what's, what's, what's right and what's wrong. I don't know. So nonetheless, uh, going from a common to this is I absolutely do love the Heliod Sun Crown card. I think it's just fantastic. And for those listening, it's a three drop, one white and two. It's a five, five indestructible legendary enchantment creature God. And then as long as your devotion to white is less than five, Heliod is not a creature. And then whenever you gain life, you're putting a 1-1 counter on target creature or enchantment you control. And then you can tap one white and one, and then another target creature gains lifelink until end of turn. And this is just like immediately in the 99 of any life gain deck, in my opinion. I I just, I don't see where else, you know, it, it would go. I mean, or I should say not where it would go, but I don't see why you wouldn't want this to not be in one of your life gain decks in Commander at the the very least. It it does. It auto-includes in any life gain deck that runs white. If you're running a non-white life gain deck, I really want to see that. But, yeah, it's it's he goes in the 99, 100%. And, I mean, the elephant in the room here is... You can bring it up if you want, or I can bring it up. We the know infinite the infinite combo. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> I figured it went without saying at this point, but you know we could touch on it anyway. Yeah. So I'll let you take if, the reins on that. Go ahead, Nick. If, explain to everybody what it is. So this is so prominent. Eric made a combo video on it discussing it. Yeah, and that I tells did my you because I suck at combos. So if I know about it, you know that it's very easy. <laughs> there we go. I, I'm not saying it. I'm just just pointing out facts that Eric did make a video on it and he spoke about that. Um, I did a combo video on it. I was late on it. Normally when I see a combo like this, I try to get a video out without within 24 hours. I didn't, it was a holidays. I relaxed. Um, but basically, yeah, Heliod, uh, combos with walking ballista. As soon as it was, was released, everyone saw it. Um, you give walking ballista, with at least two counters on it, you give it lifelink with Heliod, and then you can remove a counter from the Ballista to ping an opponent for damage, or for one damage. You gain one life because you dealt damage with your lifelink Ballista, and then because you gain life, Heliod can put a plus one, plus one counter on your walking Ballista. Three seconds after people realized that was a combo, I'm guessing another sizable portion of Magic players realized that it's all Heliod also combos with Spike Feeder, which is a green creature, and if you have two counters on Spike Feeder, you can remove a counter, gain two life, because you gain life with Heliod, you put a counter back on Spike Feeder to gain um, to gain two more life and repeat the cycle. And then, of course, there's more. There's Heliod and Kitchen Finks to, and a Sack Outlet to gain infinite life. There's Heliod, Benthic Biomancer, and Niv-Mizzet to draw your whole deck, deal a bunch of damage, and gain a shit ton of life. Um... He's just become a cornerstone of combos, which is strange considering he's a white card. And after describing all this, you don't have to watch either my video or Eric's because I kind of just spilled the beans. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, But yeah, at at least, you know, I would say go watch uh, Josh's because he put more visual appeal where me, you just see me sitting there talking with, you know, a background. So his had more editing 
prowess to it, and then mine just was very lackadaisically thrown together like a vlog video, which that was my premises for. But, you know, he put a lot more thought into it where mine was just, I wanted to just bring it up just because the big elephant in the room with the combo was everyone's like, oh, no, which one's getting banned? Because, you know, as we know, Wizards seems to like to drop the ban hammer on stuff as of late for some reason. So I just was personally thinking that once this came out, I just felt I could be wrong. I mean, there's counter arguments to what I thought, but I said if one of these were to get banned, not saying that either is, but if one was, I felt it was going to be Ballista over the God because, number one, it, it's very hard. Like, I was actually shocked that they banned Oko when they did because of it being a newer card. But with the God being brand new, I could see that sticking around for at least a couple months. Whereas with Ballista, it's already being used in Pioneer, in Commander, in Modern, in Legacy. And I believe it's being used in Vintage as well, If I uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But I know it's being used in Legacy in some decks. So... That being said, it's being used all across the board. And if they see that just Ballista itself is just going to be completely getting used and abused all across the board, I could see that them going, okay, maybe we need to ban it in like Pioneer or ban it in Modern or something. I don't know. But I just think that as far as, because you know how they want to go off of percentages. I could see Ballista having a way higher percentage of play versus this. But the counter argument is, why ban Ballista because of the piece that makes it OP? Why not ban that piece? Which I see that as well. But nonetheless, I, I, I am curious to see what's going to happen in the coming months after this gets released in regards to those two cards. I, uh, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but um, I think Heliod gives wizards whether they did this intentionally or not gives them a reason to ban ballista when ballista was made or released it was uh it was a good card people didn't tote it as a good card to be honest a lot of people were just like eh, it's a triskelion um which also combos with heliod but then it took off and it's a super strong card super prominent card and I think it's the closest, in my opinion, the closest Wizards can make a card without pushing it over that line of ban-worthy, right? Yeah. In my opinion. But with Heliod, especially because Heliod is prominent to the lore and story of Theros, um, I think this gives Wizards the opportunity to make a format without Ballista. And it seems like that's what they're trying to do in Pioneer is make this format that kind of holy and shining and doesn't have the horrors of their fuck-ups. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that being said, uh, it's much quicker than the copycat combo, which we saw get banned. Feldar Guardian got banned because it's a Healy Ray. Um, and this is quicker. You can, if your opponent has zero response, you can do this turn three. You can turn one, harden scales. Turn two, walking ballista comes in with the extra counter. So it has the two counters. Turn three, Heliod. Yeah. Game. And that's it. 
that's all no you couldn't actually because you would have to give the ballista lifeline oh yeah yeah so you can do a turn four four. yep which i guess you can do with the copycat as well but i don't know that just seems much more dangerous in my opinion but then that being said there's ley line of sanctity in in the format so maybe they're like nah just run your ley lines deal with it which is also fair anyways so who knows we'll see what happens but i would not be surprised if walking ballista gets banned i guess it's see it's it's now your turn mr josh to bring up a card okay i'm gonna talk about i'm gonna bring up uh a legendary because they're really liking these legendaries in this set i'm gonna bring up uh hactos the unscarred so it is a legendary creature, human warrior, two red and two white, for a 6-1 that says he attacks each combat if able, and when he enters a battlefield, choose two, three, or four at random. Hactos has protection from each converted mana cost other than the chosen number. Yeah, That, is- that thing is nuts. That is absolutely crazy. When I first read that, I was like, meh. Yeah, but, but then, then you, you realize, it. yes. It, it has, it is random, which I just caught on this, reading it out loud this time. But still, if you get two, that means that, especially in EDH, where people don't use targeted removal all that much, they like to use widespread stuff. He can't be hit by board wipes, but that means he can only be blocked by a creature with converted mana cost two. Not one, not zero, not three. It has to Just be two. Two. He and can nothing only else. be blocked by converted mana cost two. He can only be targeted by things with converted mana cost two. He can only have damage dealt to him with yeah. things with converted mana cost two. And then he can't be equipped or enchanted but with anything other than converted mana cost two. Or three or four, whatever the random number is. That is crazy. Yeah. That means this guy cannot be touched by anything that damages, targets, equips, or blocks with anything lower than two or higher than four converted mana cost, and then two, three, or four are random. That's <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, it's this pretty much insane. Is- I have protection from literally every card in Magic minus these ones that are costing two or three yeah. <laughs> it's like i would i would argue the worst number to have of the three is number three yeah because that's 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 in that i like that's a cost you see on everything basic removal is kind of around three you yeah. know beefy creatures or creatures that people play usually hover around three um i'm thinking edh in, this could be completely different in Pioneer or Standard if it even sees play. But in EDH, this is... Um, I'm not going to be happy to see this card hit the table. No. No, not at all. The only Because, like, unless you have something that says... The downside... This I'm going to just talk about just the downside here. Oh, yeah. This is the way... The big way around it here is if you're going up against Black and they have a thing where even just, you know, creatures get neg one, neg one until end of turn, then it's dead. Yes, but I mean, not. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, chances are that's not going to happen. No, I mean, chances are. I mean, it it most certainly can happen. Just realistically, is it going to happen 
right away? Probably not. That's the big thing. Unless yeah. unless your uh, you know your opponent has something that you know uh, either rather be like a, a creature ability or something along those lines that gives all things neg one neg one or whatever until end of turn that just you know like mm-hmm. I said it, it's it's very I don't want to say very hard or just it's just not more often than not I would like to think none of your opponents are going to have something like that right out of right out of the gate I mean they could but again that's also a very niche thing not everybody's running those types of cards in their deck some some people just use traditional wipes and stuff like that which I mean you, obviously a traditional wipe would take care of this because it's not targeting it yeah. but I mean you know what I'm getting at like I mean so nonetheless wipes are the only way that you're really going to get around this thing unless they have a chumper that is of the chosen CMC. Yeah, and I'm glad you played Devil Advocate because there are multiple ways to get rid of this. Maybe I'm hyping it up a bit too much. You're right. Board wipes, universal uh, nag abilities, and uh, making you sack a creature too Yeah, um, is possible. That being said, um, it's red-white, and in EDH... Uh, Red White sees a lot of equipment play, Voltron play. So this guy might just get a bunch of equipment thrown on him. Granted, you can equip him with things that aren't the number. Yeah. Um, So that hinders it. But there is, like, you could still put some equipment on him and make him do a threat, right? Yeah. If you build around him as your commander, uh, you're you're obviously going to have a deck tuned to this random ability. But I, I don't know. I guess what I'm most excited about this is that it gives red-white something different instead of just, oh, attack, oh, attack, oh, vigilance, oh, oh yes. Yeah. You know, it gives them something different. And you know what? That's what red-white needs because it is unarguably the worst color combination in EDH is red-white. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to shit on your pick whatsoever because I'm, oh, no, I'm I... the last person that likes to hear, oh, it dies to removal. I I just more or less am just getting at the aspect just that way, you know, if people are, like, getting hyped on it. Just, I mean, I'm hyped on it as well. I think it's a great card. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a fantastic card. just want people to be aware. Just, hey, just keep in mind to just keep an eye. Keep an eye on the board state and make sure that it makes sense for you to play that card with the given board state. Just don't throw it out there and be like, yeah, it's going to have protection from everything. Like, no, be aware of what's going on and what your opponents are playing and what the current mana bases are looking like and all that good stuff before you just start slinging stuff like this out because it is more vulnerable than what you think it is. So just keep that in the back of your head, that's all. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. And it does have to attack each combat. So you probably want to strap some vigilance on that too somehow. Just so you can hold it up as a right. block. Right. Anyways, your pick now. Throwing it back to you. I actually, and I, if I know you can see my screen right now, so if you want to talk about any of the cards that I currently have opened in a tab, feel free to. I'm just pulling them up as I'm kind of looking at stuff just as a reference point. Sure. So don't feel like, oh, I don't want to bring it up because he's got it pulled up. No, that's fine. So anyhow. Uh, Thassa Deep Dwelling, I looked at this like just now because I honestly have 
not looked at a whole lot of spoilers. I've looked at some, like the Erebos I've looked at, and among other ones. But mm-hmm. this one, I just now seen it. When I looked at it, I was like, here it is. Here it is. I mean, I know there's other ways, but this one right here, this is a card that will be used with my one of my very few beloved blue cards, which is Agent of fucking Treachery, dude. Because at the no. beginning of your end step, you exile up to one other target creature you control. Then return it to the battlefield under your control. So you're going to hit that ability every single turn unless your opponent removes Agent of Treachery or the Thassa. Yeah. And if you have another card, and I guess you want to call it Christmas Land, fine. But if you have Stryonic Resonator out, you can copy that trigger and do it twice in one turn. That right there, my friends, that is value. <laughs> that is yeah. some jank value right there. Yeah, you don't, and I mean... Yeah. Sorry, are you saying that you, you blink the creature you took with Agent yeah. of Treachery, or no, you blink no, you Agent bl- of Treachery? You, bl- you blink out, because with Agent of Treachery, when it enters the battlefield, you get to take something from your opponent permanently. Yeah. So you're going to blink it out, and then when it comes back, because it says it enters the battlefield under your control, at your end step, you're going to exile it and then bring it back. So as yeah. soon as it ETBs again, you're going to just take something else from your opponent. So you oh, don't even gosh. have to attack with it. As long as your Thos is out, say you, pl- you it was out the turn before, then you play, you know, based off your mana, play Agent of Treasury. As long as it hits the board, steal something. Then at your end step, you exile it, bring it back. Guess what? Now you stole something else again. So you gotcha. get two okay. steals on one turn. I Yes, okay, sorry. I was misunderstanding because when I see this, I think of um, Conjurer's Closet. Which it is, which it is exactly, except it's on Thassa, and you play that in a deck like Marik, the super old card, where you tap it to take control of a creature. Um, yeah. But then, but then if Marik untaps, that creature is destroyed. But with this, because you blink it and return it to the battlefield under your side, uh, you can untap Marik, and the creature won't be destroyed because it considered a new permanent. Right. So this is a way to. Uh, get past temporary steel effects too there you go and of course it's a legendary creature with a 6-5 body so that's yeah, so indestructible since, since I'm an idiot I don't think I, I, I can't remember if I actually went through the whole card because I was just so amped up on that ability so excited I was dude I read it and I was like oh my god there it is so uh, <laughs> real quick it's a 4 drop 1 blue and 3 it's, yes it's in a legendary uh, enchantment creature god, 6-5, indestructible, and then as long as your devotion to blue is less than 5, it's not a creature. And it also has the activated ability of you can tap one blue and three to then tap another target creature. And then, of course, me getting so giddy on that freaking trigger, I just had to jump to like, there it is. But, yeah, I totally, totally see that being used with Agent of Treachery all day. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that ability is super strong. And you can use it on a plethora of different things, but that one just stuck out in my head because who doesn't like stealing stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, and even if you cheat stuff out that has to return to your hand, like with a pig, yeah, uh, uh, you can blink the creature, that creature, and then it doesn't have to return to your hand. It's a very strong ability. Kind of surprised we're seeing it again in standard as magic is really 
turned into or they turned blinking away to blinking stuff back under the, its owner's control yeah. and not the controller's control um to to a new player that might sound like the exact same thing but if you it's steal not. something it's very different yeah mm-hmm. so yeah that's a that's very strong card all right so over and onwards what is your next card that you have in store for us so i chose another one of the the rare legendary creatures i chose delacos crafter of wonders delacos dalacas dalacos i don't yeah dalacos crafter of wonders yeah one blue and a red legendary creature merfolk artificer yes i chose a merfolk People yeah. don't know, I do not like merfolks. I think more I don't like them now just for the joke opposed <laughs> to actually not liking them. But I got to stick to it. I got to be consistent. That's right. So Delacos can tap for two colorless mana. Spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. So that's very nice. Mana ramp in blue-red. Right. But the next part is equipped creatures you control have flying in haste, which is crazy. That's, that's insane. Mm-hmm. That is. And the thing I absolutely love, too, is that four toughness. I can't get over that enough. Love it. Oh, yeah, two four power toughness. That's a big booty. Mm Mm-hmm. Got to love that. I think uh, the the thing about this, especially in EDH, is equipment decks. uh, I mean, I might be talking on my ass, but I have an equipment deck that's four colors, and the one color it doesn't run is blue. Yeah, the equipment decks don't really run blue. They're aggressive decks that want to get in and do their damage and go on a really tall creature that they taped a bunch of fucking axes to and get the damage in. And blue doesn't really do this. So this makes a really unique commander where you're red-blue, you have the aggro red, but then you have to use your blue to to, to make a aggro deck i just think it's really neat and although how you build this commander is written all over the card there's no subtle way of doing it it hits the board your opponents know exactly what you're doing it's still crazy a blue red equipment deck in edh that's that's really cool that's my thought on it yeah you can just use them for the mana i guess as ramp but i don't know giving you stick a sword of feast of famine on something and then on top of the protection it gets and the plus two, plus two, and all the other effects, it get flying in haste. That's pretty fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. I agree. That's that's crazy. Especially just for uh, all that for just a three-drop creature. And then, yeah. that, I mean, it just helps. Like you said, it, it helps to have that uh, mana ramp as well because you're going to be needing that mana for the equipped costs and stuff like that like that so to be able to tap this to gain an extra two colorless i mean that helps out big time yeah and i mean if you have an equipment or something in your deck normally this is white colored stuff but that you can equip creatures for free you could play him put a free equipment on him and then he has haste you can then tap him for mana yeah anyways it's i think it's really cool I like that they're exploring these colors that are still in flavor but still do different things. Yeah. So um, will he see will he see play in Pioneer and Standard? Probably not. You if we're being know, honest, man. you, ne- you, you never, never know. know. 
There's always, there's always some crazy combos that come out that we're like, wow, how did we not see that? You know what I mean? It's like you yeah. never know. Possibilities are endless. That's what I absolutely love about the game, though. Yeah, but yeah, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be a fun fun commander. I'm gonna have to try not to build them. <laughs> try not to build them. Yep. Try not to build them. So uh, the next card we got here. I had to talk about this one because this is like absolutely my overall favorite god out of the Theros gods here. It's Erebos, and it's the Erebos bleak hearted four drop, one black and three. It's five six with indestructible. And then as long as your devotion to black is less than five, it's not a creature. And then whenever another creature you control dies, you may pay two life, and then if you do, draw a card. And you can also pay one black and one to sack another creature, and then target creature gets neg two, neg one until end of turn. This thing is fantastic. Like, <laughs> I, dude, I seen this and was like, oh my god, I'm using this in any freaking black EDH deck that I make. Like this one and uh, the other Erebos from the original Theros, that's going in. Like that, those are almost to me for my per- personal preference. These are like auto includes. Yeah, it, it's good, and there's not. It's the type of card where you can't really say anything bad about it. It doesn't. I don't know. In my opinion, it doesn't blow up like this is a must-have card, but it's definitely it definitely is a must-have card. Yeah. If that makes sense. I, it doesn't have the flashiness. It just oozes good. It's just good. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. got, not only is it indestructible, but then that trigger of just whenever another creature you control dies, you get to pay two life and then draw a card. And Commander, yeah. who gives a shit about two life? Exactly. And, <laughs> I mean, that basically just ties into the next ability. Pay one and black and sack a creature and pay two life. You get to potentially remove a creature and draw a card yeah so i was already like when i seen this i was like well it looks like i'm making some adjustments to my edgar deck because now i gotta find room for this thing (laughs) yeah and what's that what's that enchantment from ravnica allegiance the font of blood or whatever uh font of agony font of agony that thing is fantastic it is getting so much support it's in so these good. Cards. I have been finally, like, like, there's been some people that are finally giving it some love. Like, I seen JJ running it the other night on their stream, and I was like, I said, I said something to him in the chat. I was like, thank God somebody else is seeing the potential with this thing. Like, it's yeah. so good. It is, uh, yeah. Just so people know, Font of Agnes is one black enchantment. Whenever you pay life, put that many blood counters on Font of Agnes. Uh, then you can pay one in a black and remove four blood counters to destroy a target creature. So, yeah, uh, they're it's good. Erebos yeah. is good. Yeah, you're going to be able to essentially start removing stuff for just doing what you want to do yep. and not waste any cards. So good. Yeah. So good. But that's really all I had on that. I just thought it was just like one of those uh, – uh, here comes my crude sense of humor. It was like Boner City. Yep. Like all day I seen that, I was like, oh, my God, there it is. <laughs> so, yeah, that was all I had on Erebos, the uh, Bleak Hearted. So over and onward, what do you have next? Well, I'm going to move on. We've hit three of the five gods, so we might as well just hit a fourth one. Let's talk about Perforos. Perforos is fantastic as well. 
They're, I mean, I think they're all good, to be honest. Like, they, they, they did these gods, like, very good, in my opinion. They did do them good. And uh, it's nice that, I, I, like, I don't know how to describe it. And I know people will probably hate th- this, but I returned to Magic and Theros. Um, and what I found about the last Theros set is it's good. Tons of good cards from it. But I found it boring. I don't know if people share that. I just found Theros boring. And I'm getting the same vibe from this set. And people probably think I'm crazy. The cards are good. I like so much of it. But something about it just bores me. It just doesn't tickle your fancy. (laughs) It doesn't tickle my fancy. But I can appreciate how good the cards are. Like when when the gods were released, besides Heliod, because we all realized the combo that was there. It was like, okay, that's a good card. It's kind of like that's what I expect from a mythic card that's a god in magic, you know? Yeah. It's like, that's good. I expected that. It's nothing shocking, but it's cool. And I don't know, maybe that's how magic should be. We shouldn't be fucking losing our minds and people smashing their keyboards and all this crazy shit over a card game. It's kind of like, yeah, that's that's a god. Gods are strong, and uh, that's a good card, <laughs> right? And right. I don't know. That's that, and it's like everyone moved on, and everyone just accepts it. I think, and I, maybe that's why I find Theros boring because there isn't these swings that people have. Like, how the fuck could they print this? Oh, this card's got garbage. It's just like, yeah, these are cards that make sense. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like they make sense, and I, I guess maybe, like, I think why. I guess maybe I'm trying to sit here and get inside your head here. Maybe it's because you know it makes sense. Like, okay, I can see where this is coming from. And not saying you don't like it, but maybe it's because of all the other stuff that we've already seen, maybe. And it's just not giving you that extra wow factor, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. And I'm not saying it's a bad way. Like, I'm not saying, like, oh, they need to make Theros more exciting. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, it's almost relieving after all the shit we've seen with, like, Modern Horizons and then Throne of Eldraine with Oko and War of the Spark with Planeswalkers in every fucking pack. It's like, oh, this just feels like a magic set. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too deep into it. Anyways, Perforos Bronze Blooded. <laughs> Four and a red. Yeah. Seven, six, legendary creature, indestructible god. 7-6, that's pretty fucking huge. Oh, it is. As long as typical god stuff, if your devotion to red is less than 5, he isn't a creature. Other creatures you control have haste. It's, it's pretty good, but I mean at 5 converted mana cost, um, you know, you kind of expect something like that. But this cool part is 2 and a red, you can put a red creature card or an artifact creature card from your hand onto the battlefield sack it at the beginning of the next end step. So, I would think that this card would be okay, because it it hits red cards, but what really gets me going there, which I know you probably know by now, is that you can drop an artifact creature from your hand onto the battlefield. That is nuts. Maybe not in Pioneer, but in EDH, you can pay three, especially if the guy's your commander, 
you can you're gonna have access to them all the time. You can pay three to drop worm coil engine. It, I was just it. about to say that. Oh my god, yeah. they were thinking the same thing. So I was like, yeah, because who cares if you sack it? Yeah, you can <laughs> you can pay three to drop. Right. Uh, 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 what's it called? Um. Uh the the infect the big infect artifact dude. Oh uh, god, I just blanked. Oh god. Blight Steel Colossus. Yeah. And it has haste. Haste. Eleven eleven trample infect. You can drop all this stupid shit. And if you're running an artifact deck, like we just mentioned with Thassa, especially with Perforos, you're gonna be running stuff like Conjurer's Closet. That says at the beginning of your end step, you blink a creature returned to the battlefield under your control. Well, guess what? If you blink that creature, if you stack it so you blink the creature before you sack it, your uh, your worm coil engine isn't going anywhere. Your blade steel colossus isn't going anywhere. Your big your mer battle sphere isn't going anywhere. This, the fact they include artifacts with this is absolutely crazy. Oh yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing because, like you said, because with artifacts, there's so many good artifact creatures that you could just oh I'm gonna just throw this out and then yeah. do whatever with it until end of turn. And I'm sure that there's still crazy red creatures too, um, like if you paid the three and dropped the pig that lets you play another creature from exactly. your hand. Exactly, and that was the, I'll be honest, that was yeah. literally the other thing I was thinking about, because I was like, yeah, so who cares if you sack the pig? It's just going right back into your library, and then you're going to get it in, what, two turns? Yeah. And you if get you, to do it all over again. Yeah. If you drop, I don't fucking know, there's a big dragon. Like, I'm sure there are tons of dragons that you want to hit the battlefield and swing. Like, this is just, this is going to be a doozy of a card. Oh, yeah. Anyways, that's all I got on Perforos. Okay. Well, I guess I will I will take my last card and go with, uh, I believe it's Galia or Galia of the Endless Dance, the two-drop satyr, one mm. green and one red. It's a legendary creature, two-two with haste, and then other satyrs you control get plus one, plus one, and have haste. And then whenever you attack with three or more creatures, you may discard a card at random. And then if you do, you draw two cards. That is just bonkers to me. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to really say about it besides the fact that, number one, it's a lord, which I know satyrs aren't really like a huge thing, but it's still a lord card nonetheless. And the fact that you can get card advantage out of it, that's just nuts. Yeah, especially in red-green. That's yeah. uh yeah. Like, I know people are saying green has been pushed lately, which it really has. Yes, it um, has. But adding red to that, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's really good. It can come in and swing. It, you can drop it. If you somehow have, I mean, it probably won't be turn two. But if you drop it, you have two other creatures you want to swing with. You can you can do the card draw that turn. It comes in. Yeah. Because it has haste. That's I think, yeah, there aren't a lot of satyrs, so there isn't much support. But the set's not done. Maybe we'll get some good satyrs. Yeah. And that being said, there's still some. Like, Boon Satyr is Pioneer Legal. Yeah. That that was a card back in Thero Standard. Yeah. Uh, 
it would become a 5-3 with this card. That's nothing to scoff at. Voyaging Seder used to be used a lot with the Nykthos land. Exactly. Voyaging Seder. Like, there are Seder cards that, um, yeah. you know, they can do a thing. So don't count that part out yet. But, yeah, the big draw at the end is the discard and draw a card. Oh, yeah. draw two cards. Yeah, you draw two cards. Yeah. That's crazy. I thought yeah. it was just one for one. Exactly. So, I mean, that just that gets nasty. And, you know, a smart player is going to abuse the hell out of that thing because you're you know, more than likely get to a point to where you're like, okay, I got my one land in hand, so... Let's swing with three, chuck the land, and then draw two cards. Or, or here you go, got yourself a risk factor. Who gives a shit if you discard it? Because guess what? Now it's in my graveyard. I can still play it anyways, and I'm going to get two cards. There you go. Boom. That's crazy. Value. Value. <laughs> I mean, that's just nuts. Yeah. But that's really, that's all I had on that one. But I just definitely feel that's going to be something to keep an eyeball on as well. Once it gets released, see where see where it finds its home. It'll be interesting yeah, to sure. see because I'm sure people are going to try pushing the hell out of it. Yeah, no, it's it's a very strong card, and it again green is a uh, green to gain some love, maybe mm-hmm. in some ways that it shouldn't be. But uh, I I can see your screen here, so you have some other cards. So why don't we talk about those? Because I don't really have any other cards to talk no? about. No. Okay, so we got the other go- uh, other god card, which is I hope this I, I'm pronouncing this right, Clothis. That's how that's how I say Clothis. Yeah, Clothis, god of destiny. It's a three drop, one green, one red, and one legendary enchantment creature god. It's a four or five with indestructible, and then as long as your devotion to red and green is less than seven, it's not a creature. And then at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase exile target card from a graveyard. And then if it was a land card, add one red or one green. Otherwise, you gain two life, and then it deals two damage to each opponent. So this card, to me, is just awesome. Excuse me, because uh, I I mean, it's definitely going to be used in Commander. That's a given. I know that 110%. Just touching on Pioneer aspect with this card, I see this. Not saying it's going to replace Scavenging Ooze by any stretch of the imagination. I just think it's going to be used in addition to Scavenging Ooze to slow down reanimator decks and then those Delver-style decks and, you know, just all that stuff like the, we were talking about previously uh, on the last episode, like the Omniscience-style decks where they're constantly chucking stuff into their graveyard to get all these other cards to then, you know, basically keep playing stuff out until they get to their win con but if you mm-hmm. get rid of all that stuff in their graveyard it's gonna not only slow them down but you can deal two damage to them and not only just to them but if you're in commander you're dealing two to each opponent yeah i mean that's just that's that's nuts yeah <clears throat> um i don't know how i feel about this card i was talking to my buddy about it actually the three converted mana cost doesn't appeal to me because you're not trying to ramp to get this out. It's really not going to do much in the early game if they have nothing in their graveyard, um, at least not in the commander aspect. And No, for, even, Pi- for Pioneer, this would be a fantastic turn to play, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just feels like a slower Deathrite Shaman. And I know a slow Deathrite Shaman is still good because Deathrite Shaman is amazing. 
But I don't know. I'm just not completely sold on it. I'm sure I will be once I face against it and it absolutely trashes me. But I just, I think they could have reworked it in a different way. The downside is that you have to wait until, even if you get it out turn two, you still have to wait until turn Turn three three. to get that trigger to hit. But Mm. it's still nice to have it out there on the board. So if you you play your dork turn one, then you play this turn two, and then you at least get that uh, trigger going into turn three because something should be in a graveyard because it just says from a graveyard. So, you, you know, something, it could be something, your own. Yeah, That's exactly. True, it could yeah. be your own. Like if you're going against Mill or something like that, they might have either that or hand control. Something could be in your graveyard as well. So just very know, try true. to keep that in mind. And, you know, it also helps to get that extra red or green mana you know, if it if it was a land, anyways. Yeah. So just playing Christmas land here, going into turn three, you play a land, you also get the trigger off this, and say you exile a land, you get to add your mana. So now uh, you'll have three lands, a dork, and then one floating. So now you can pay a five CMC creature cost on turn three. Yeah, that's huge. It is huge. Uh, my my thought process is that it would be better late game because you can start pinging in grinder grindier matches. Oh, yeah, it's definitely but, more so a grindier card. But like I said, in Christmas land, that'd be optimal. Yeah, but in red green, you don't really want to be grindy. You want to be aggro. Yep. And I don't see it as consistent enough to be ramp in the early game because what if there are no lands in the graveyard? The, I guess what my issue with the card is there are too many ifs. It's good if. Right. It will do this instead if. of it's going to do this every single time. Yeah, but that being said, I mean, it's still a good card. You're right. Come every turn, there's bound to be something in someone's graveyard. Maybe not turn three, but turn four. Yeah, and then you you ping. So it does stuff. Um, yeah. So then, last the only last one I had that we'll discuss for today is uh, hope I pronounce this one right as well is. Kuneros? Does that sound about right? Sure. We'll go with it. Kuneros. Hound of Athreos. So it's a three drop, one black, one white, and one colorless. It's a legendary creature hound. It's a three three with vigilance, menace, and lifelink. And then creature cards in graveyards can't enter the battlefield, and then players can't cast spells from graveyards. I just felt that this is like the most uh i almost want to call it, it's like like an oxymoron for what it like the color combination it's like the the color scheme you would want or you would see rather like reanimator and stuff like that and then this completely shuts it down <laughs> yeah it's a, when i saw this card i thought of you immediately because i know you love black white oh yeah but i do love it, the card don't get me wrong i do yeah it's a it's a strong card it is you get, and I love the flavor. It has three heads, so it has three abilities, three three for three mana. Yeah, it's great. The picture's great. Legendary dog, love it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, it's just really pushed. But you're right, it is uh, symmetrical effect, so it shuts down your graveyard too. Yeah. So I don't know what ki- kind of deck you want this in. I guess taxes. 
I would. That's what I was going to say because I'm like, this isn't going to go. Obviously, it's not going in a reanimator build. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely more of a taxes style deck, and I would say but, that you know this is definitely um, something to definitely, at the very least, consider. Even if you were not putting it in a taxes deck, if you know that your deck after testing is weaker against those graveyard style decks then obviously if you can put this in then by all means do so Mm -hmm. now would you want this in a absent type deck that is all about grinding it with value creatures like would you want to play this turn three get your siege rhino turn four i don't know if that's a deck in pioneer but i can see this just being in a in a like you got your fleece lane fleece main lion turn two you got this guy turn three you got your siege rhino turn four you have your collected companies and every creature you play is just some big big dude well well, here's 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 well we'll talk about christmas land i suppose or what i would see optimally with this if you're wanting to talk about abzan would be if you were to have a dork out turn one and then have um, going into turn two, a shock land of some kind. Oh, wait, no, you couldn't do that because you still need a, for this card, you need a black and Yeah, you're your green, man. Unlo- well, unless I should say if you're going in turn one, if you have, um, oh, gosh, what is it? Uh, the green-white one. Why am I blanking on it? Temple. Oh, uh, yeah. Or is yeah. it Selesnia or what the heck? Oh, God. Selesnia's Garden, what the heck is my mind? Garden Temple. Garden Garden Temple. Temple. I'm like, what am I, Temple Garden? (laughs) Jesus Christ. So anyhow, if you got that out, page or two, got your dork out, going into turn two, if you have something like... um, Swamp. Either a swamp or just anything that produces black, and then you could get this out turn two. And then going into turn three, then get your siege rhino out there, which that would that would be a, a rough board to deal with if you did not have an answer to the hound going in, you know, going into your opponent's turn after this is played, and if they didn't have anything, and then it's gonna get nasty once that siege rhino hits. Oh yeah, like this is not a card to joke around with. No, when this hits the board. You need. Like when this hits the board, you need to remove it now. (laughs) It can swing, and it's still a blocker on your turn. You need Mm -hmm. two things to block it, and and it's gonna gain life. Exactly at the end of combat, you're still or your opponent is still gaining life, and then on top of that, shuts down your graveyard. I, I think the graveyard stuff is additional, if that makes sense. I think those three abilities on a three three for three is dangerous enough. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm looking at this card for. The I, graveyard stuff is great, nice, fantastic, great for a sideboard card. But it definitely those, shuts down all those jumpstart cards too. Yeah, well, yeah, that too. But but just the body and the abilities, I I love it. Oh yeah, I absolutely love it too, and I'm curious to see where it's going to find a home at. And I'm gonna, I'm also trying to figure out where I could put it myself, but. We'll see if I'm actually able to get time to try to grind it out and see if I can figure it out. But yeah. that is all we have, folks, for this episode. Josh, let the fine people 
of the uh, podcast universe know where they can find you they can find me at the youtube channel king of jank or at twitter at king of jank or on your youtube channel uh where i do stuff quite a bit yeah we're changing up the format a little bit on the stomping ground as it's no longer a podcast currently but you know things change and we'll see what happens but as of right now due to some things that will be discussed on the channel at a later date you guys will all understand why but you can find me at undying mtg on youtube and then also at undying mtg on twitter and then also every two weeks on wednesdays at 7 p.m eastern standard time you can find me on vera dark's channel which is dark titan enterprises on youtube and also, I do have a Patreon, and that is patreon.com backslash undyingmtg. But that is all I have. Everyone, let us know what you think about the cards that we were discussing here today. And as always, keep it janky.